as he as was mentioned, um, I, the last uh, 15 years on the field we spent living in Holland, in Amsterdam area in particular, and uh, but I have to tell you my my one Dutch joke that I know. Uh, there was uh, this Dutch this Dutchman walked into a pet store, and um, he told the the salesperson there he said I I'd like to buy two rats and 150 cockroaches. And, of course, the guy was kind of puzzled. Why would he want these rats and cockroaches? And he said, well, you see, I'm, I'm moving out of my apartment, and um, my landlord asked me to put the apartment back in the same condition it was in when I moved in. So uh, anyway, uh, so he's going to put it in a bad condition. And I, I just mention this because, uh, you know, our world is a, is a mess. It's a challenge uh, uh, that, that we have. But uh, the great thing is we have the gospel to, to bring to, to this world. And so we are in a, in a, uh, in, in a battle in many ways, uh, a spiritual battle, certainly. And um, uh, hopefully this, uh, this uh, session will be uh, honoring, honoring to the Lord and uh, will further uh, God's, God's purposes. Um, our mission as a church is to display God's God's glory, and uh, let's see. Yeah, we got this. You've got all this stuff on your notes. You should have some notes there if you can't see it. So we're, you know, this is our goal, to bring honor and glory to God, and we do this by declaring the gospel to all peoples, to all ethnic groups, by planting churches in every place among these groups, and by, by filling them with disciples to obey and praise the Lord. And our, our goal is one day, that these these believers come before the Lord and and worship God and bring glory and honor to His name. So the 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 issue is, you know, how do we do this? When we when we look at Acts one uh, Acts one one eight talks about uh, the Lord lays out a plan there. You know, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remote parts of the earth. And the question is, how do we do this? And the, the issue is, uh, not the issue, but the, we, we do it through the local church. And the local church, um, you know, we're, we're passionate about uh, God being honored, God being glorified. And um, uh, the church, in moving forward, part of that relates to the mobilization of missionaries. And, um, and hopefully we'll be able to understand a, a few more things, your church to understand a few more things. And I've been involved particularly in mobilization the last five years since I've been off the field. And I've been a field leader and, and been involved in a lot of different things, uh, evangelism, church planting, uh, primarily training uh, church leadership and everything. And um, in this whole area of, of mobilization, I've just seen the need for that here in the, here in the United States. So I've been involved in that. In the last five years, I probably, I, I, I do a couple things. One is I train missionaries. Uh, in particular, I'm involved in training the missionaries for the, uh, the GMI uh, uh, work here at Grace Community Church. And then I, I, I actually uh, vet people for missions. And I've, I've probably interviewed in the last five years probably 200 people who want to go into missions. And uh, so I've been involved in this, this mobilization. But the church, I in doing that, the church needs to understand some things. And uh, the, the first thing 
is that the church needs to know that, that it is to play a critical role in mobilizing missionaries to the field. It's, it's not the mission agency. It's, it's the church. It's our responsibility to, to mobilize people. Um, I, I heard of one mission agency who, who got it right. In mission agencies, I've worked with them for many years. Sometimes they don't have it quite right. But this one mission agency said, we have no missionaries. Churches have the missionaries. And that, that is very true because, um, you know, the church is the sender. It's not the mission agency. I, I hear missionaries talk sometimes about I'm sent by this mission. Well, we're really sent by the local church. Unfortunately, uh, many churches have kind of, uh, you know, given up that responsibility and they've given it over to the to the mission agency, but biblically, that's not the way it works. So um, uh, from scripture standpoint, we are the sending, uh, the, the sending church, and uh, this is really not an, uh, an optional thing. It's really obligatory in many ways because as we see the study of the, the New Testament, we see the missionaries emerging out of the local church. So the, the mission agency, as one person said, he said, you know, the mission agency is the stagehand, not the star. And the, the star is the church. And, and the mission agency is to serve and aid in that church. So the local church is central in identifying uh, who those potential missionaries are. It's central in training missionaries, plays a very key role in that, sending and supporting and so the, the church has the resources, um, the agency, in, and I'll say a little bit more about it, uh, gives a, a, an expertise to that. And, um, uh, but when we look at this, just I, I've talked about, you know, we talk about sending churches and supporting churches. Um, ascending, ascending church, oh, I thought that was up there. Uh, ascending church basically is uh, defined, this is not my definition, but it's a local body of believers who affirm, support, sustain their own membership and, and while crossing barriers of distance, language, culture, to help make disciples in cooperation with the mission agency. So, so they are the ones, when it talks about their own membership, their own missionaries. The uh, supporting church has uh, also is uh, important. This is a local body of believers who participate in the cross-cultural um, ministry by supporting missionaries who do not originate from their church membership. There's a need for both of these. Um, you know, it's, it's rare when a sending church can fully support and sustain a missionary, a missionary family. And uh, things are, you know, things are not cheap. Uh, I think when, when we went out to the field in 1978, we had to raise a monthly support of $1,400. When we went off the field, it was like $8,000. And uh, so, uh, you know, it, we really need both types of churches. Now, another thing, and I'm sure you're probably well aware of this, things you need to know is that your church, church needs to know that it should send only good missionaries. Uh, that may sound like a, you know, kind of a stupid comment, but I remember being in Belgium, and I was talking to this Belgian leader, and he said, you know, Belgium needs, they, we need missionaries, but we only want good ones. 
And I said to him, uh, I said to him, well, what does that mean? And basically he said, yeah, we've got a, we got a, we, we, you know, we have a lot of, sometimes a lot of bad missionaries. They, they come with the wrong uh, motives uh, sometimes. Um, I was uh, interviewing a, a, a couple a while ago, not from this church, but from, a, from somewhere else. And they were interested in another organization. And they said, yeah, we want to go to the mission field and so on. But make sure, well, the thing we want, we want weekends off. Uh, because, you know, we like to travel on the weekends. Well, you know, I, I think I knew what the motive was there, uh, you know, and uh, uh, I didn't quite recommend him to go on after that. But uh, in any case, and also um, there are other missionaries who don't take the people seriously. When I say don't take the people seriously, they, they don't uh, work at learning the language. They don't work at learning the culture. And so those, the motives and, and really caring for the people and being involved with the people are just essential. Those are good missionaries. And as I was a field leader in, in my mission organization, and quarterly I would meet with the other field leaders from all over Europe. And our, our, we would spend a couple of days together, and almost one whole day was dealt with dealing with problems with missionaries. How do we handle this case? What do we do in this situation? And so, you know, unfortunately, we were wasting uh, a lot of time there and really couldn't get to the issues that were really more significant. And some of the missionaries, I can remember several, and some of the things that we, were, we dealt with primarily is that um, some missionaries, they want to do what they want to do. Um, they they want to do their own thing. Uh, they, some of them don't want to participate even with their team. Uh, they don't even, this, I mean, this may sound surprising to you. They don't even want to come to the prayer meetings of the team for different reasons. And so um, they just feel like they're, they're there. And the second thing is they feel that they're totally responsible to God and to nobody else, not to a local church, not to the other missionary members, and so those are the two primary problems that we were dealing with, a lot of, a lot of independence there. And, um, and this can be a problem for short-term missions, by the way. Uh, I remember one of my colleagues was telling me a short-term uh, team came over, and they were going to work on a project in Scotland, actually. And uh, so the team comes together. They work on this project a couple of days. And the third day, one of the men is missing. He's a pastor. Uh, he's missing. And, the, and I said, well, you know, where's so-and-so? Oh, oh, he's out. He, 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 today's day, he's playing golf today, you know. And uh, you can imagine the, uh, that the missionary was shocked. The team was shocked. And the people were shocked, uh, you know. Uh, and, and, of course, as a pastor, wasn't the best example uh, that was being shown there. So, um, so. The, the, quest, the thing is, you know, identifying the correct people, identifying the right people, good people. And, um, the, you know, the way that this really needs to be done uh, basically is through, through the qualifications of an elder and a deacon, um, depending on what the responsibilities are, and, and looking at character. You know, does this person that's being sent out by the church if they're going to be preaching the word, involved in the word, they need to really be qualified as, a, as an elder. 
there are those on the field that maybe that is not their ministry. Maybe they're involved uh, in administration. Um, uh, you know, I, I know people, certain organizations, they have accountants, and they've got to deal with the financial issues of the mission. And they, these are not uh, people who are out uh, preaching and teaching, but they play a very significant role. Well, they, they need to have at least the, the, the qualifications of a deacon to be, to be on the field. So, you know, why, why would a local church want to send somebody out that isn't qualified? And, um, and the question that um, often missionaries will ask of churches, would you, if you had the money and the resources and everything, would you hire this person on your staff? And we've heard here and there, uh, no, I'd never hire that person. Well, why do you want to send them to the mission field? So, because that's just going to create all kinds of all, uh, all kinds of problems. Uh, thirdly, um, your church needs to know that it is to assess and test its potential missionaries. Um, I, I've heard I, I, I've heard missionaries a couple here and there. Uh, I heard one man speaking one time, and he said, "You know, if God hasn't called you to stay in the United States, you should go." I don't think that's a good idea. The, the reason is, uh, again, qualified, tested people need to be able to, they're, they're the ones that missionary organization, churches uh, should, should want to send onto the field. So um, uh, don't, you know, we don't want to send people with questionable qualifications, shall we say, because uh, if you were in that earlier session uh, this morning, uh, our speaker talked about, uh, you know, just because you you have a passport and you travel to another country, that does not necessarily make you a missionary. Um, uh, changing locations won't make you a missionary because missionaries, you know, they're not perfect. They all have strengths, but they all have weaknesses. And so that's that's all part of it. Uh, but, you know, are they are they qualified? Are they a good fit for uh, that for that field. Um, there's an interesting phrase in First uh, Timothy in reference to deacons uh, in a passage. It says, um, it, it, it says, deacons likewise must be uh, dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy. And then it goes down in verse 10 of First uh, Timothy 3, and it says, let them also be tested first. And I think this is a uh, this is very important in mobilizing missionaries, of of testing missionaries. And when I say that, you know, the, 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 there is an urgency. Obviously, there's a great commission to be accomplished. Uh, we need to get people out to the field, but um, uh, you know, more is not necessarily better, and and uh, because that will just bring uh, a number of problems. So how do you how do you um, test people? Um, how do you assess people, potential missionaries? Well, you, first of all, as I just mentioned, one is their, their qualifications, their character. That's, that's really the primary test. Um, but there are also other, I think, some other factors. Um, yeah, their character. But in reference to that character, there's a couple other things that I think are important uh, for a missionary as far as some character traits. And I see one of them is, is, is faithfulness, obviously. 
um, uh, their, their teachability, uh, flexibility? Are they, uh, because yeah, missionaries are always dealing with uh, things you just don't plan on. Uh, you, you never know what's going to come up. Uh, and uh, things become uh, even more complex on the field. Do, are they people who take initiative? Uh, because missionaries, they're out there. They may be working with a team, but there's a lot of, uh, it doesn't mean you are around your team members every single day. And um, uh, especially those involved in church planting, they have a very, some have a very difficult time on how, what are they going to do today? And I've heard uh, church planters, uh, you know, we've talked and they say, um, yeah, I don't have a eight to five job. Um, and, uh, uh, some, unfortunately, in some cases, they, they don't know how to spend their time, shall we say. Well, that, that shouldn't be part of it. Um, they should be able to take initiative and, um, and, and really, you know, have some goals and move out and, and, uh, and really advance for the Lord. Also, another thing is, are, are these people uh, submissive to authority? Because uh, authority is a, obviously a big issue. Uh, uh, submissive to their own team members, uh, submissive to their, you know, their sending church. Uh, they, if they're working with a, you know, mission agency, there's a submissiveness that is needed there. I've been around long enough where uh, the mission that I work with has fired missionaries. And uh, they, uh, a lot of it related to their attitudes regarding authority. And they got back to, I will do what I want to do. So, um, so some of these characteristics are, are, are very important because if it's not taken care of, it's going to create a lot of friction on the, on the field with the team members. And that's the last thing missionaries want is to deal. You know, you're, you're, you're dealing with enough things with the people you're involved with in trying to uh, plant a church and, and, and uh, you know, preach the gospel to people. And then you, if you have to deal with your own your own, uh, you know, team members and being going cross culturally, everything becomes more complex. Um, when you're doing things in a different language and a different culture, things just become more difficult, and you 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 don't you don't um, um, yeah you don't maybe you don't understand it because uh, w you know it's not like moving from Phoenix to L.A. Uh, you know, there are cultural differences, but uh, things become much more complex. Uh, being uh, cross-culturally, there's more stress on your marriage. There's more stress in on interpersonal relations. So if a person goes with not the right, right character, uh, the right qualifications, there's uh, much more potential for, for difficulties. I remember going, um, uh, going to Belgium and I needed an, an extension cord, uh, you know, simple thing. So I went to the hardware store. It was seven miles away. Well, I found out you 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 don't uh, um, you can't buy an extension cord at that time, you know. And I I'm not a real handy person. I get there and it says, oh, the guy says, well, you have to make your own extension cord. Oh, never done that before, you know. And then I'm thinking, well. Yeah, that you know, there's actually different types of plugs. You know, I don't even know what's in my house, so I have to drive back seven miles, you know, to find out. And I come back. Well, it took me to get that extension. It took me six hours to do, 
Uh, so things just become more complex. The other thing is, are the people we're sending, are they confident people? Um, are they, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're being sent to a certain, hopefully being sent to a certain ministry task, and do they have the skills to do the job? Um, I meet a lot of people, and part of my interviews is uh, people say, well, I want to go, I want to be a church planner, I want to do evangelism. And I will ask them the question, so, so what, uh, what, uh, how have you been involved in evangelism in the last six months or the last year or whatever? Well, you know, I, I really don't have much contact with many non-Christians and so on. And so I found out they have never done any evangelism. They couldn't even present the gospel to people, but yet they want to do evangelism. So they don't have the skills. Well, they can learn that skill, obviously. Um, but, you know, that's one area. Do they know how to defend and explain the doctrine? Can they explain, you know, the gospel to people? Can they, uh, you know, uh, yeah, explain the, the significant doctrines? Uh, can, they, can they carry out evangelism in the proper manner, in the appropriate manner? I say that appropriately because cultures are different. Uh, people, uh, people um, yeah, can some people in some cultures won't even hear you unless you approach them in a in a certain cultural manner. So, um, are they confident in church planting? Um, uh, are they, um, you know, are they confident in disciple making? Can they solve conflict w with other individuals? So there's a certain level of competency, and this is where the local church comes in and plays a very significant role in these things. And then. A third thing is compatibility. Will will these people um, are they compatible with with what they're getting involved in? Um, compatible with the other team members, shall we say? Um, in the old days, back in 1978, 1980, the mission I'm I work with, they in those days there was no question of compatibility. You know, you get a phone call and you say, oh, by the way, we're sending you a missionary to work on your team. He'll be there in seven days. And so, uh, so well, who is this guy, you know? And fortunately, the mission organization did a very good job of vetting, but sometimes, uh, you know, people got, got through and it didn't turn out so well. Uh, you know, are they compatible? Will they be able to work with national workers? There are some people who... Um, yeah, they're, they're so, they identify so much with their own culture that they find it very difficult uh, to work with the national workers are there, which, who will probably not be totally like-minded in, in every way. So are they able to work with that? And, and uh, uh, so, yeah, compatibility, of course, doctrine and so on, the church's mission vision. Another, another factor, a fourth one, is your church um, uh, needs to know that it must examine the missionary call or leading of each person who desires to go to the mission field. As I mentioned, uh, one of the things I do was trying to find out where people are in their call or leading, and I'm not going to struggle over what a missionary call is and uh, a lot of that, but um, I, I find, I'll ask people, you know, uh, in fact, there's a couple questions here that um, a missionary call involves two aspects. Uh, well, let me, let me, yeah, and before I get on to that, actually, 
mention a couple of things. I'll ask people, say, so, uh, you know, how do you, um, uh, you know, how convinced are you of your missionary call or missionary leading? If you, if you could put it on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being I'm 100% convinced of this, what, what would you put yourself on that scale? You know? And I remember, you know, I've had people say, well, a 5, you know. And then I talked to his wife, and, oh, I'm at 10. Well, I find out there's a conflict on this thing between the husband and wife. So that's not going to work real well. And, uh, and sometimes they say, oh, I'm, I'm totally convinced. I know God wants me on the field. And I said, well, how do you know that? He said, well, I, I just like to travel. Well, you know, uh, that, that doesn't work really either because the, the, the best missionaries are those that are stable in one place, learning that country and that, you know, learning that culture and that language. Uh, you don't travel around uh, every, every, you know, every week or every few months. Uh, I, I interviewed one person, and they were talking, and they had a strong call to Paris. And as I talked to them more and more, what this person wanted to do was they wanted to sell their paintings in Paris. You know, this may sound so absurd to you, but uh, I was dealing with this on an on a everyday basis. Um, another one, um, they, uh, and often they would people say, well, I know God's called me because my background is German. You know, well, you and what, 46 other million Americans have a, have a German background, or I'm Danish or whatever. Um, or I, I just want to help people, you know. It, it's really got to be, be more than that. And there, there really are two elements involved in a, in a missionary call. And one of them is what I mentioned here is, is this internal call, shall I say. And um, this is, um, um, well, let, me, let me just back up a little bit. Uh, the reason why a missionary call are leading up, whatever term you want to use on this, the reason why it's important is because during that mission experience, I, I would say every missionary goes through this uh, at least a few times. Uh, it will come up and they'll ask themselves, what are we doing here? These people are resistant. Uh, I was on a church planting team for 12 years in Belgium, 80,000 people, no church. You know, my children and the other missionaries' children were the only kids in Sunday school for six years. You know, after five years, I think we had 12 people in our church. And so you're, you're asking questions. Is this, is this working? Is this going to go? You know, and then there was conflict with this, with this missionary. And he, this guy, was a, he was a major problem. And, um, and this had been going on with a number of people. Uh, there was a lot of division. And um, uh, this was going on for six months. And I remember going home one time, and I said to my wife, you know, where are the suitcases? And she says, what do you want those for? I says, you know, I think we need to leave here. I, I'm fed up. And she looked at me, and she says, didn't God call us here? And I said, yeah, he did. And, and so God... Uh, you know, we were able to persevere through that. So when you're convinced that God's called you to something, you're going to persevere through that. And so, uh, so that's, that's one strong benefit of that. And the other thing is it, it's a restraint to missionaries who believe that they can do anything they want to do because uh, some missionaries believe that, they're, that 
you know, God's call entitles them to anything. But this is where the local, actually the local church comes into, uh, into play. And this missionary call involves uh, uh, an, an internal call. Um, this is, you know, obviously the Spirit of God working. And, and um, uh, Spurgeon talked about the Spirit will create an intense, all-absorbing desire for the work. And so um, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot in very similar to a pastoral call. You know, you're driven by this, this, this call that you've got to do this. Um, secondly, or not secondly, there's the external call. And this is very significant in many churches. This is not even on the radar, but the church needs to confirm this call. And, you know, is this person really, really called? Uh, by by the Lord and people come up with all kinds of uh, things uh, that you know they've been called by God to do something but the local church needs to confirm that and they can't confirm it at a meeting they need to confirm it as they meet with this missionary candidate they need to uh, take some time and to pray and discuss maybe take a month or so after after this this comes about so uh, the the internal aspect and the confirmation of the call, and these are these are uh, uh, two. There are two questions that I that I like to ask people regarding this in my interviewing and mobilization ministry. One is I, I mentioned it just a, a minute ago. Uh, you know how how serious this call is and why is it so serious. But the ne- the next one is you know no, knowing that the Lord has called you to to missions. What would you do if a church invited you to become part of your staff, of their staff? And I'll ask that because people say, yeah, I have a strong missionary call. I say, okay, you get an offer from a church uh, to become their youth pastor, associate pastor. What would you do? Oh, I, I, I would probably just take the church. Well, have they really been called to do that? And I, I went through this here at Grace Community Church. I remember in... in um, uh, before we went to the field, I, I sat down with five elders here at the church, and one of them said to me, um, "So, how you know, uh, are, are you convinced that God wants you to go, you know, cross culturally, go as a missionary to Belgium to work with these French-speaking people?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm convinced." And the, one of the elders says to me, "He said, well, what if what if a church called you, and and I I'd been an associate pastor in a church." during seminary for five years. What if uh, a church called you and um, said, we, we'd like you to become our pastor, associate pastor. Uh, what would you do? And at the time, um, we had an eight-month-old daughter, and that was the only grandchild. And, and, and you know what happened? The very next day, I got a phone call. This is the truth. A phone call from a church and said, "We've we've got your name and we we really like would like you to join us uh, on our staff at this church." And it was like uh, ten miles away from my family, uh, from the grandparents and everything. And so, what did I think? I thought, "Oh, does God want me to change here or what?" And I asked him to, "Can I pray about this for a couple weeks?" Because I thought, "Well, maybe the Lord does want to." change something and I prayed about this for a couple weeks and um, it was very clear to me that we needed to go to Belgium and I called them back and and told them 
that's that's not the direction the Lord is leading us. So, in any case, that that can be a very helpful helpful question in in testing that. Um, and then the church, um, your church should not be uh, letting need to know that it should not be letting missionaries simply go to the go to the field, but be sent. There are so many that um, they just assume that they will just go. They just they're just they just notify the church. And I know I I, I said I I know a lot of these people who just. They don't even know, the staff don't even know who this person is. And they come to them and say, I want to go, you know, as a missionary to to uh, South America or Africa or whatever. And um, so it's the, the church's responsibility, um, uh, you know, to to really work on that and to, to send them. And obviously this comes out of Acts 13 where the Holy Spirit says the Holy Spirit sent them out. The church, the church sent them. It was through the Holy Spirit, and um, uh, you know, missionaries. As one person said, missionaries don't just go to the lost; they are sent to the lost. So we need to be very careful. I just want to emphasize that uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas, you know, they did not volunteer for missions; uh, they were sent. Now, obviously, they wanted to go, uh, and God does give a desire to go. But the but the church needs to to send them. Second uh, John, third um, John five eight uh, talks. It says we uh, you will do well to send them on their journey. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. So um, uh, again, I, I we just need to be very careful that we're actually sending people out and not just letting them go and them telling us we're, go we're going. Because you can get into a lot of trouble. I remember a, a young man, he, was, uh, he came to me and he said, uh, God, God has called me to the Philippines. And uh, he was a senior at, at USC. And um, I said to him, I said, when, when are you finishing your studies? Oh, in about three months. I said, now... He wants to go as a missionary to the Philippines. He only has three months to go until he's going to graduate with his bachelor's degree from USC. Um, that that actually brings up a little bit of a red flag. And I said, "What does your parents think of this?" Oh, oh, they're they're just totally opposed, you know. Or what does your pastor think of this? Oh, he's opposed too. And you know, is anybody for this? No, but God has called me to go to go, you know. So I don't know what happened. He had eaten something last week and and just yeah i'm i'm ready to go but uh we talked about it and i i, I told him you know this is this isn't going to work uh i was working with the church at that time and um he ended up never going to the philippines and what had happened was you know something had happened emotionally a week or two before he came to see me and then by three months, this desire had died out. When a person is really convinced of God's leading, that's that's not going to die out. Uh, you know, that's going to be a strong, a strong thing there. So, um, also your your church should um, uh, you know needs to know it should take responsibility for equipping its potential missionaries for future ministry. And when I say that. Um, uh, 
you know, sometimes the people, people want to get to the field uh, right away. And I, one of in my interviews, I usually ask people, so when do you want to get to the field? Oh, I'm hoping to be there in six months. Um, well, we, you know, and I find out a little bit more about them. And uh, we just need to slow, slow down and equip them. And, um, uh, you know, we don't want to let them leave without adequate training. And when it, when it comes to the local church, um, you know, the church is foundational when it comes to, uh, to missions. It, it may not have all of the expertise with certain things involved in missions, but the foundation is built there with the, with the local church. And, you know, just being equipped to preach God's word is really not enough. Uh, you get into a lot of trouble. I, I, I know in, in Holland, there was an American missionary, and he was preaching. And um, a message, I heard it. I thought it was really a good message and everything. And I started to talk to people, Dutch people. And I, I said, what did you think of that message? I was a, an elder in a church, actually. And, and they said, well, it wasn't, it wasn't very good. You know, he, he wasn't very serious. So I didn't really listen to the message very well. And so I talked to another Dutch person. I said, what did you think of the message? Oh, the guy's not serious. You know, I, I, I'm puzzled by this. And uh, I talked to a third one. It was the same reaction. Well, I found out while he was preaching, he put his hand in his pocket. You can't do that in, in, in many places in the world. So that's a cultural thing. So uh, people need to be equipped culturally. So people, a lot of people in the church didn't even listen to his message uh, because, because of his gesture of putting his hand in his pocket while he was preaching. And they took that as not very serious. And that's just, you know, we can sit here and think, well, that's kind of dumb, but that's what the, what the culture dictates. So um, the, the local church, by the way, is really... Um, the, the place, it's God's appointed place to grow Christian character, encourage general fruitfulness, transmit sound Bible doctrine. Yes, that's where uh, missionaries are made in, in local churches. And so the foundation is there. And you really, you can't take shortcuts to spiritual growth. You can't take shortcuts to, um, you know, basic ministry skills. And it's in the local church that we learn uh, how to solve problems, conflict with people, uh, how to present the gospel, how to disciple somebody in their work. These are all basic missionary skills that are necessary. We, we learn basic leadership principles. Uh, we learn to plan. We need to, we learn to organize. And, um, you know, how do you, how do, you do this um, when we're talking about equipping people? And I, I see it as just involves three things is, is with these people is, is mentoring them. The people, potential missionaries we want to send out is mentoring them, having them reading certain things related to missions, maybe related to culture or something, uh, talking about their ministry experiences. You know, they, they've led a Bible study, meeting with them and talking, how did that go? Uh, what went on? How did you lead the Bible study? Uh, they're doing evangelism. Uh, mentoring in them in evangelism, so, and then interacting with them. So all these things are really significant. Also, uh, 
just the seventh thing is your your church uh, needs to know that it should be strategic and intentional. Um, there's a I saw a quote by a pastor, and he said he said to the pastor belongs the privilege and responsibility of solving the foreign missionary problem. You know what what does that mean? What what it means is that we need to send people to specific ministries to do specific things. Uh, sometimes in my interviews, I, I'll ask people, so where is it you feel God's leading you? And somebody will say, well, I, I think God's leading me to Spain. Okay, well, what, are you, what are you gonna do there? I don't know, I haven't thought about that yet. I'm not sure, what. I just wanna help people. Well, do, does the missionary team on the other side wanna have somebody there like that? No, because missionary teams, what they're thinking about is to advance and move forward. Uh, what do we need on this field? Do we need uh, somebody who can teach God's word? Do we need somebody who can preach? Maybe we need somebody to ad administer and organize all that's going on here. So, so our our churches should be sending people out to intentional intentional places, strategic ministries, and things that nationals are not going to be doing necessarily or can't do for some reason. I, I talked to a couple not too long ago, and they said, we want to go to China. I said, well, what do you want to do in China? Oh, we want to teach Sunday school in a local church there. Well, you know, that's not very strategic. The people in China, those people in that church, they're the ones that should be teaching Sunday school. You should go and train Sunday school teachers. But, you know, it, it needs to be a strategic thing. Um, and and churches need to think through that uh, very well. So, um, so where where are the missionaries needed, and and uh, you know what will they be doing, is a, is a key question. Just the last a couple a couple things here, um, is your church needs to know that the most likely does not have the expertise necessary to send out its own missionaries under its own authority without the mission agency. I, I believe that, you know, it's very unique uh, that some churches can send their missionaries out and they're totally, you know, it works out well. But most churches don't have the expertise to deal with all the problems that come up. There are visa problems that come up and you have to deal with, uh, with immigration authorities. Uh, you have to deal with social security on some mission fields. The missionaries have to pay Social Security. They, they, they deal with retirement issues. There's accounting issues related to currency. There's a field supervision. Uh, medical insurance, what, what, you know, what are these people gonna do for medical insurance? Uh, so uh, a mission agency provides uh, a, a lot of expertise in this, in this area. The, um, another, and this is very important, is your church uh, needs to know that it will need to be selective when it comes to working and choosing, working with and choosing a mission agency. Um, a, a church should have a preferred list of agencies they work with. You know, so, uh, there, there are a lot of, there. Uh, somebody told me there are 4,000 mission agencies. And, you know, a lot of these will not be compatible doctrinally you need to you need to check into all of that. They they will not be compatible with their vision, the values, their goals. 
what they're doing. Um, so, um, but there are certain mission agencies that may fit very well with your church, its vision, uh, its doctrine, and so uh, that they should be that you know that should be on the preferred list, shall we say? So I'm just suggesting a church should work up a preferred list, and when somebody comes to say I want to go. Uh, you know, to this mission organization, um, you know, you, you need to know something about it. I was actually in a meeting Saturday morning with a young couple with three other people, and they wanted to go to a certain mission organization. And the mission organization, there were only two families in it, you know. Well, that, that could work, but, what you know, what is this organization? And uh, I asked them, so does the mission organization – do they have medical insurance and things like that? Oh, they're, they're thinking through all these things. Well, they may, it may work out very well in the future, but, um, uh, you know, it's, it's an important question. And, very, and lastly, um, lastly, your church needs to know that in time it may be in danger of mission drift. And um, what does that mean? You know, Harvard University was founded in 1636. And the purpose of Harvard University was to prepare ministers of the of upright character. I, I, I think there's been a little bit of mission drift. Well, it's the same way with mission organizations, with churches also. Uh, what may start out very good, it, it, it begins to drift and away from, from the gospel. And as was mentioned this morning, you know, if, um, as one person said, if a baker makes a pie gives it to their next-door neighbor, is this missions? And does that make them a missionary? And this is what we, what we have in missions, moving more and more away from this. And this is a, a special problem with uh, the more and more related to social justice. And I'm all for social justice, uh, but uh, you, I know of one organization, what they do is they clean up graffiti in the cities. That's it. You know, no, no, no gospel is involved in it at all. Preaching the gospel, trying to reach people, but cleaning graffiti off the walls. That's it. That's their mission. So we need to be, we need to be very, very careful. And you have a, you have a definition of, of missions there around where it involves of, of making disciples. So I guess the challenge is when it comes to church and missions, you know, are we sending out people who are involved in the making of disciples? That's what the, the Lord has given as commission. Uh, you know, there can be a lot of ministries. I know, I know people who are accountants on the mission field, and they're working in an office. They're crunching numbers. But every one of those people are involved in making disciples. They may do their accounting work 30 hours a week, but the other 10 to 20 hour a week, they're on the church planting team. They're making disciples. They're sharing the gospel with their neighbors. So, so that's a significant thing. Well, thank you for your time. We'll, we'll stop so you can get something to eat. Okay. Thank you.